can't stop praising his name. Amen. That's one of them songs that bring back memories. Amen. If you all could please stand and open up your word to Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. Very familiar passage. Thank the Lord for all of you who have come out on today. You did not let a little bit of rain keep you from your blessings. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. I'll be reading to you from the New International Version. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and I'll even fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if it does not, then cut it down. If it does not, then cut it down. You may be seated. I'll be speaking to you this morning briefly from the topic, we can't question the call, but we can count the fruit. We can't question the call, but we can count the fruit. Let us pray. Dear God, we just want to thank you for what you've been doing in all of our lives. Now, Lord, as we prepare to hear from you this morning, Lord, we just Pray that you will allow us, Father God, to get exactly what it is that we need to get. For, Lord, this is not a word for those that are not here, but a word for those who are here. Help us, Father God. Prepare us, Father God, to hear from you. Hide me behind your cross and let your word do all the speaking. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can't question the call, but we can count the fruit. So many times when you hear people make declarations about this and that, or whether it's in church, out of church, on our jobs, in our homes, there's always someone that makes some sort of declaration that they have been called to do this or that. Make a grand announcement at Thanksgiving, Christmas time, whatever the situations are, to let everybody know that this is the direction that they've been called to go in. And when I think about that particular moment, I definitely think about this particular passage. And I, during my preparation, there was two different parables about the tree, but I didn't want to go to the one that Jesus did because that one was a little bit more deep. But I thought this one was amazing because in this particular passage, 
We've heard this parable of the fruitless fig tree before, but normally when you read it, it's seen as a story that reveals God's righteous judgment, especially growing up. However, the parable of the fruitless fig tree could also represent a story about promise without performance. Promise without performance, because those of us that have been around family members, or even us, that we made some sort of declaration, but yet in the background we hear people say, mm-hmm, I heard that before. We'll see how long that lasts. Didn't they have this bright idea last year? There's always naysayers, but a lot of times we're the reason for the naysayers, and we made this great proclamation, and then we didn't follow through on it. Even though we may try to blame everybody else, but truth be told, the decision really came down to us. So in this particular parable, the tree said it was a fig tree, looked like it was a fig tree. But the question is, if a tree calls itself a fig tree, but does not produce figs, is it really a fig tree? God wants us to ask that question on today. What gave it the title of a fig tree? Did it come from a generation of other fig trees? Did it happen to be a tree next to other fig trees? In other words, if we are part of any particular profession, there should be some evidence to support our claim. For example, if we say that we are called to be a husband or a wife, because that is a calling. Why? Because we make the choice and we make a declaration that we are getting married. But if we say we're called to be a husband or a wife, then the evidence or the fruit should be a healthy marriage. If we say that we are called to be a father or a mother, then the fruit should be a good example as parents. And even if we say that we are called to ministry, the fruit should be more disciples, meeting the needs of others, or taking weight off of the pastor or the assistant pastor. But if there is no fruit, this is a problem. And we have to ask some serious questions. That's what I love about First Sundays. Because I said we have to examine ourselves. That means we have to ask some serious questions. What is the reason that there is no fruit coming out of our lives? What are we using as a measuring stick? Because for some of us, there is no fruit, and we keep still doing the same thing over and over. 
How do we make an honest assessment? What should we do next? What could be the possible results that are equal to the phrase in this passage, cut it down? Because some of us don't believe that there are some things that God does allow to get cut down. You see, God is telling us today that when we say that we are called to do something, there has to be fruit from our call. Our first takeaway this morning is simply this. We have to take advantage of God's grace to leave us alone. We have to take advantage of God's grace to leave us alone. Because in the passage, they were ready to cut down the fig tree. And it's like, why waste time? So he was walking for three years up to this tree. Does it take that long to produce something that we say that we're supposed to be producing? But did the fig tree have excuses? Did the fig tree blame God? Well, if God would have put me in a better garden, then maybe I could have did more. If God would have planted me by a river, my roots could have stretched out more. If God didn't put me around all these other producing fig trees, then I would be the tree that stand out. What was the excuse of the fig tree? See, a lot of times, and I know I can say this because I've done it before, regardless of what profession we're in, sometimes we measure ourselves by comparing ourselves to others. But the funny part is we don't compare ourselves to the superstars or the ones that's doing great. See, my problem was I used to compare myself to the one that wasn't doing that good, especially in the Army. It was like, if that person's a squad leader, then I know I can be a squad leader. But what I didn't see was what was on the inside. See, I wanted to be a squad leader for the wrong reason. Truth be told, I just wanted to be in charge. I'm serious. I wanted to get out of the duties. I wanted to task everybody else to go clean the latrine, to go do roll guard, to go do police call. See, that was why I wanted to be a squad leader. But what I didn't see at that time in my immaturity, but it was something inside of that person is why they were called. The same is with us. In order for us to call to produce fruit, we have to mature and have the right reason behind our calling. Because being a squalid is no different than somebody wanting to be in ministry. The same power is there. I want to be in charge. I want to tell people what to do. I want to wear these nice robes. And it's not even as a minister, even as being on the altar gear, I want to flow in the purple shirts. I want to be the one to give pastor them what they need. But we have to ask the question, do we want to do it for serving? Or do we want to do it so we can look good? 
My guess is the fig tree was calling himself a fig tree because he saw the beautiful fruit from the other trees, but didn't realize what it took to produce fruit. You see, sometimes God gives us a second chance so we can assess and access our barren life. The truth be told, we know why we're not producing fruit. And we need to be honest with ourselves. And a lot of times we forget God's grace and God's mercy. We talk about it. We shout about it when we hear a certain song. But the truth is, we let it waste. God gives us second chances, and sometimes we don't do anything with it. And then other times, God gives us a second chance to admit that we need help. Pride always gets in the way of those that fall because we want to do it on our own. We want to do it so we can say nobody else helped us. We don't want nobody else to take credit for what we did. But after a while, the fig tree had to ask itself, sooner or later, when that master keeps coming through here, he's going to say something. But in our twisted, warped mind, for some reason, we keep thinking it's not going to be us. He's going to walk around us. He did it for the first two years. So now for the third year, he's going to do the same thing. But yet we didn't recognize the first year. Okay, that was a warning. The second year was another warning. But just like the fig tree, we take advantage of God's warnings and think that, well, he's going to forgive me again. Because he always forgives me. That's a dangerous mindset to have. Especially if you're a fig tree and everybody else is producing around you. And then there's most times where God gives us a second chance because we can't create what we have not experienced. How can I create love in a loving environment if I'm walking around hating on people? How can I be a great usher and greet the people with a smile if when they first come through the door, I'm frowning? Again, how can I create warmth if I don't show warmth? That's what God is telling us today. You can't produce what you haven't experienced. And if you haven't experienced it, then you need to change what you're doing. Is that just me or is that the word? Colossians 1.10 says it this way. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. If and only if you are a follower of the Lord, then you got to bear some fruit. But just in case we have some people in the house that's not Christians, you're not saved yet. Let me tell you this as well. 
that even as a non-believer, you still got to produce something positive in this world. Because if you're not producing something, there's a result for that too. Now, some people say, well, I'm a parent, so I'm already good, Pastor Darrell. I didn't produce a child. But did you really? Because what we need to understand is producing fruit is more than a one-time gig. Producing fruit is a process. In order for me to do this process, there's different things I have to do, different stages I have to go through. And for those that say, well, just because I produced one thing at one time, then my job is finished on this earth. You're missing it. There's a lot more you should be doing. And even from an earthly example, if there is a child that's in a situation that is harmful, they are being neglected, they are not being fed, their needs are not being met, not just a godly principle, but just the law will remove that child from that situation. Even if you holler out, that's my child. You can't tell me how to raise my child. I can do what I want to do with my child. That is not how the world works. Just because you produce something one time don't mean that's it. You have to continue to grow that thing. So it is with God and his kingdom. If we are not producing, there will be results. The second takeaway this morning is simply this. We have to allow God to dig around us. We have to allow God to dig around us. Because that's what he said in the passage. He said, cut it down. I said, no, 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 no. Let me do some things first. Even though I've did it before, give me one more chance. I'm going to dig around it. Looking at that passage was interesting. The fig tree is already there. The fig tree is already full bloom. He's already grown. Why does the gardener need to dig around something that is already grown? Same thing with us. There are some things around us that we personally have not allowed the gardener to dig up in our lives. I know it's true because that was me. I want to do certain things, but I don't want to let go of certain things. I want to go to certain places, but I don't want to let go of certain people. I want a certain type of job, but I don't want to put in the work. God has to dig around us. Because there are some things that's keeping us from bearing fruit. And we can't have all these excuses of why things aren't growing. Especially if we're the ones that made the declaration that this is what I've been called to do. Even though I may be in a marriage and say that I've been called to be a husband, if there's some warped thinking in my mindset on what I think a wife should be doing or how, how I think a wife should be serving me, 
instead of vice versa, that's something that needs to be dug up in my life. The digging can come from coming to church. The digging can come from Bible study. The digging can come from accountability partners. There's all kind of ways that God can dig up some stuff around us. But the key is we have to put ourselves in a situation to allow the digging to happen. So important. Why? Because a lot of us came from some families that were a little bit dysfunctional. Some of us came from some families from that old school movie, The Clumps. And did not want anybody to know what type of family we grew up in. But even in those situations, talking about God's grace, he allowed us to still move past those things that were negative and allowed you to create a whole different type of family environment. That's how I know God is real. and He can dig up some stuff around us. But we just have to allow him to do the digging. I remember when I was uh, the youth pastor here and got to a point where things was going well and the kids were being blessed. But then you had to have that honest conversation. Can I really be a youth pastor at 53? At 63? At 73? How effective can I really be? Now, some of us put our pastors in bad situations. We know that we should be moving on to something different. But we are like the fig tree. Until the gardener tells me, I ain't going to say nothing. And I did not want to be one of those people. So I remember going to Pastor Kay, and I was like, man, I hope she don't take this the wrong way. But I had to let her know that, hey, Pastor, I know I've been doing this for a while, and God has been blessing. But I also recognize that there's a season for everything. And Pastor, I just want you to know that if you're thinking about some things that need to get done around the church and you need to move some leaders around, here am I, send me. Those of you that know, I loved youth ministry. I was like, that's why God created me on this earth to bless the youth. But after a while, I had to realize that that's my mindset, but that's not God's mindset. See, if I'm a servant, then I'm supposed to serve wherever the serving is needed. And the truth be told, it's easy to be comfortable when you're doing something that you like. Because then you use that as an excuse that, well, that's my gift. But what you have to realize is other gifts are inside of you, too. And the only way that those gifts can be produced in you so that you can eventually produce more fruit is we have to put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation. When pastor took me up on what I said a couple of years from that and said, I need you to be over Christian education. I couldn't do what I did as a youth minister. I had to have meetings. I had to talk to the other leaders. I had to call other church leaders and find, what are you doing for your Christian education? But here's most important. I had to find out what was the pastor's vision for Christian education moving forward. 
that got me out of my comfort zone. And I know there's a lot of you, you want to stay right where you are. It does feel good. You're working in your element. But I'm telling you, to produce more fruit, we have to be uncomfortable. And when God makes us uncomfortable, you know what that does? It really makes us refocus on where we're getting our strength from. Because the truth is, when I was flowing as a youth minister, I thought it was all about me after a while. I didn't really need God that much. God, I got this concert. I'm, I'm good. And then I started edging God out. Just because he gave me a list of people to bring to the concert, I was taking credit for what God was really doing. That's why it's important for us as we produce fruit to get out of our comfort zone. So we have to allow God to dig around. So why is that? Because God takes away items that keep us from producing fruit. And again, like I said, sometimes those internal things that we're doing to ourselves. He also adds smaller things around us to complement our fruit. That's what I love about accountability partners. If you're going too much to the left or to the right, an accountability partner can say, hey, I don't know if you should go in that direction. Are you sure God called you to do that? And then we have to realize that God strengthens our roots so that we can create continuous fruit. Fruit is not just a one-time production. As Christians, as leaders, we have to always produce fruit. And some of you say, well, Pastor Earl, I'm not in charge of any ministry group. I'm not over anybody, so I'm good. No, you're not good. Because everybody's in charge of something, even if you're in charge of yourself. As a leader of yourself, you owe it to yourself to produce something good inside of you. And even those that say, well, I don't even have any children. But there is somebody that God has put in your life to be a mentor to, to be a coach. Because that's how God works. He's put too much inside all of us not to produce something positive. John 15, 8 says it this way. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. That you produce much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we see what the text says, but what is it not saying? If you are not producing fruit, are you really my disciple? If you are not in a healthy marriage, are you really a husband or a wife? My students, if you are not getting good grades and putting forth the effort, are you really sold out for God? You see, fruit comes in different looks and different packages. All of us have work to do. The last takeaway, and I'm out of here. We have to receive the things God uses to fertilize us. We have to receive the things that God uses to fertilize us. 
As I was preparing for this text, I had reached out to who I think is probably one of the best gardeners around this side of heaven, which is Brother Pratt. He's not here. Make sure y'all give him that word because he is excellent at what he does. And I talked to Brother Pratt. I said, Brother Pratt, I'm working on this sermon, and, you know, I just need to know, you know, what's some of the things that help produce the gardens? You know, what's some of the things you take out? Why you take them out? I want to get deep into this thing. And as he was talking and uh, he sent me this um, email with all this good information, I started doing some research. And then two things stuck in my mind, mulch and manure. Mulch and manure. Even if you don't know nothing about gardening, you know something about mulch and manure. Both have key functions. Both have a purpose. And as I was studying this thing, I'm like, okay, mulch and manure, mulch and manure. And Brother Pratt was like, nah, Pastor Darrell, they both had the same purpose. I said, really? He said, yeah. And then I kept doing my research. I said, okay, so I'm looking at it from the physical, but now I had to look at it from the spiritual. And here's what God was trying to say. The good thing about mulch that it makes everything around you look good, but it also protects you. In the spiritual, God is the same way. Even though you're not fully ready to produce fruit, he will still allow you to look good for a season until the production catches up with the purpose. That's the spiritual most that God does for all of us. But what about manure? Manure is the same way because it protects. It also helps grow. But notice that there's a difference between the mulch and the manure. The manure don't smell that good. Because something doesn't smell good sometimes, we don't want to be bothered with it. We don't want that a part of us. So instead of doing the thing that may be the hardest or smells the worst, I would rather just keep looking good instead of growing to be some good. But God is telling us today that I have to put some manure around your life because I don't want you to just look good for a season. I need y'all to produce and do some good for a lifetime. But we get it mixed up. We think when our life gets hard that God is trying to punish us. But he's really not. Sometimes the harder our life gets, the better it's going to be. And truth be told, some of y'all are in here today because God had to show you some stuff around your life before you came to him. And if he had not showed you that, you wouldn't even be here on today. That's why I know it's true. Because he did it for me too. You see, God allows trials to affect us professionally. You need to understand this. Why am I having so much problems on my job just because I'm doing stuff in the church? What does the church have to do with my job? What does the church have to do with school? You need to understand that as God is perfecting us to produce fruit, everybody's not happy about that. 
That's why we have to take a stand and say, regardless of what's going on around me, I'm going to continue to produce the fruit that God has called me to produce. I don't care if nobody else is getting good grades. I'm going to put in the work so that I can finish with a higher GPA than everybody else around me. That's what God is telling us on today. He allows trials to hurt us and help us professionally because he produces something better in us. So not only does he allow trials to affect us professionally, he permits trials to challenge us personally. We've all been there. We've all had those weeks and years and months where nothing we can do goes right. And we're trying to figure out what am I doing wrong? Can I be the first to tell you that you're not doing anything wrong all the time? Sometimes it's just God trying to get us from being stuck. God is trying to move us. Brother Karan and Brother Gary here, I mean, Greg and know that we went to the men's conference of men and valor a couple of weeks ago awesome conference but one of the stories that was told definitely applies here one of the speakers talked about a boy who was had a boat on a river or maybe it was a pond but either way the boat got stuck then his boy saw this man on the shore and said can you help me get my boat from being unstuck the boy is just like us in our mindset When we go and ask God to help us in a particular trial or when we're stuck, we already have it in our little mind how we think God should do it to get us from being unstuck. So the boy had the same mindset. He thought the man was probably going to go into the little water and go get his boat, grab it out of there, and bring it to the shore nice and safe. But that's not what the man did. He said that the man said, I got you. He started looking around and found some rocks. The little boy was like, what are you about to do with these rocks? And then the man got the rocks and started throwing them at the boat. The little boy was like, what are you doing? You're going to damage my boat. The man said, trust me. You asked me to help you get your boat from being stuck. Trust me. To get it unstuck. So the man kept throwing the rocks. He didn't hit the boat. But the rocks landed next to the boat. And what the boy realized after a while that the boat started moving a little bit. It was still stuck. But the waves started shaking it. Then as he continued to throw the rocks near the boat. Near the problem. Near the thing that got him stuck near the thing that had to release him. It was only then that the boy realized that he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just trying to get me from being unstuck. Oh, Jesus. After the rocks were being thrown and the waves started shaking enough, the boy saw that his boat got unstuck. And then the boat calmly came closer to the shore where the boy could receive his boat. That's what God is trying to tell us today. 
If you allow me to get some things around you, if you accept this fertilizer that I'm putting around you, I promise you, you will produce continuous fruit, not just personally, but if you're a husband, if you're a wife, if you're a child, if you're in ministry, if you're a leader, if you're the head of your family, God is saying, I can produce continuous fruit through you. I just need you to trust me with this thing. And then the last thing is simply this. He approves trials to grow us spiritually. If you are any type of leader, if you care anything about your family, even if you care about yourself, know that God has to allow some things to happen to you because he has to shake you up spiritually. He just has to do it. I know we always want to recite and repeat God is love, but there is a thing called tough love. And it's not meant to break us, but it's just meant to mold us. Because I'm telling you, you are not on this earth by accident. God purposely called each and every one of us to produce fruit. And even though you had a great season when the kids were younger, know that God has an even better season when they get older. Even though you had a real hot marriage the first five, six years, God still has an idea for your marriage even after the kids are gone out the house. He says your latter will be greater than your former. There's no rules on that thing. It can apply to anything as long as you allow God to fertilize you and help you produce the fruit that you are going to produce. That's why you're here today. It's not by accident. God is tending us. We're his field. And thank God for his mercy that he did not cut us down the first time he rolled by us. Because I know I was in many a places where God should have cut me down. Bullets flying in the club. Bullets flying in the club. And maybe the devil was trying to cut me down before I got before you in 2019. But because of God's mercy, see, I was the fig tree. No, he's not producing nothing in that club. But I'm going to give him another year. I need him to understand that his calling has to be more powerful than his willingness to go have fun. That's my testimony. See, I thought I could do both. As long as I wasn't taking anybody home, I'm fine. But God spoke to me and said, that's not enough. I need you to stand before my people. And I need you to show them what it looks like to be a godly man. Don't wait till you get kids. Start acting now. I was the fig tree. God was that gardener. He did not cut me down when he should have. Had every right to. 
In closing, God does not make mistakes when it comes to who he has called. But unfortunately, we do make mistakes about what we thought we heard him call us to do. Just because God called me to be a minister of the gospel, and this is me and my testimony, doesn't mean that I take that and run with it and go start my own church when I haven't been trained. Just because God called me to want to be a good father doesn't mean that I go out and have a lot of kids before the appointed time. I need us to understand that. There isn't a calling that God has on us, but it's still at an appointed time. Don't rush past the calling. I know it's so hard sometimes. We don't want to wait. But I'm telling you, when we wait and do it God's way, it always works out for the best. But either way, the choice is ours. We can make the changes that we need to make to fulfill our call, or we can do nothing and experience what cut it down means to each one of us. Again, we can't question the call but we can count the fruit. God bless you first, Chris. As our decision counselors come forward, God is saying this is the time. God is saying this is the time. If there's anybody out there that doesn't know who Jesus Christ is as their Savior, we don't even need to sugarcoat it. Because we all know that we haven't been producing the fruit that we want to produce. God is saying, let's get this gardening thing right. Is there one that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior? Will you come up, receive salvation, so we can turn this thing around that's going on in all of our lives? Will you come? Salvation is in the house. Then maybe there's somebody that was saved a long time ago, but somehow because of life, you just got lost in the woods, got lost in the weeds, and you just know, I need to get my life back. Will you come up? Rededication? Start your life back over with God at the head. Will you come? Maybe there's some of you that you always wanted to get baptized, but you thought either I was too young or maybe I'm too old. God is saying it's always on the table. Baptism is available. If anybody has never been baptized, will you come up? That we may go with the plan and allow you to get baptized. Will you come? Salvation, baptism, restoration, or maybe there's somebody that just needs prayer. Life has just been a little bit hard for you, and you just want to make sure that you have enough inside the tank to finish the race. Will you come up for prayer? Allow us to pray for you. Allow us to pray your strength in the Lord, because we know life is hard. We know life is challenging.
But today, God is reminding you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. All hearts and mind clear. Amen. We turned over to our celebrant.